0: Welcome to Any Other Business. Today, we are talking about one of our favorite subjects, technology. We are going to share with you the tech that we use as a scale-up so you can replicate that if you want to. We're also going to talk about what you can use if you're earlier in your journey and what's appropriate for you if you're just starting out. And we're going to share the biggest mistakes that we've made when implementing technology in our business so you can avoid making them too.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Any Other Business. We've got a great episode lineup for you. Any Other Business is the podcast that lets you behind the scenes of what it's like to really run a fast-growing business. We are right in the middle of it. And we're going to give you the lessons that we've learned on this journey so far and that we're still learning today. We're going to reveal all to you. And we will also launch our exciting new project via the podcast as well. We'll be announcing that very soon. We promise we will, but we've been taking you through our journey up until now and giving you valuable lessons along the way. And today, Rob, we want to do exactly the same by teaching people about the tech we use.
0: That's right, because we've been through the journey of going from a very small business, as small as a business can be, one person in a bedroom, up to now a small to medium business, so about 50 people. And as you go on that journey, the technology that you need to use will change. And we've been through those changes. So what we're going to do today is go through all the different types of technology you might need in a business, talk about what's good to use when you're starting up and what we used when we were starting up, and what you might want to move to as you get more, a bit more advanced. And the reason for doing this, I think, I think we're well-placed to do this, Rob, because there are two types of people in the world when it comes to technology. You get technophobes and techno enthusiasts. And we are definitely enthusiasts. We've used too much software because we love trying out new software. But there will certainly be people who get a bit intimidated and perhaps hold off using tools that could be really valuable to them because they just don't really know where to start or how to get going with all this.
1: Yeah, you're right. And there are pros and cons to both types of those people. Like As you said, you know, you've know, got people who hold back who shouldn't, but you touched on it there. You've got people who love software so much that they can become easily distracted by it. I think in the business, and I'll take more blame for this than you, we've been through over the last 10 years about five different CR- CRM platforms, for example, that is overkill. That didn't need to happen. But that is, oh, this looks exciting and we've moved. We've calmed down now and we're very settled and we'll talk about what we use shortly. But that's a prime example of being careful not to get too enthusiastic about tech and just change for change sake. Make sure that if you commit to moving platforms, whatever tech you use, that you do it right. And this is even more important the bigger you get because it doesn't just impact you or a couple of team members once you've grown, when we change our tech now, it impacts 50 people and it'll impact even more people as we grow further. So you have to make sure that you are making really good decisions, that the tech that you are bringing out is not just because it's a bit exciting and their marketing's really good and it's intrigued you, that it's really going to make a difference to the business and it's worth that switch over. It's not just slightly better.
0: Yeah, exactly. So if you are a bit more scared or not, let's say not comfortable with technology, don't feel bad about that. That could actually be a good thing because it's going to save you switching around unnecessarily. So I think to start with, it's worth saying that, and this is self-talk, we could have we done with this earlier. There's no point using technology for the sake of it. So a very small business can get by perfectly well with a couple of basic spreadsheets and email even like a personal email address if you're really at the very beginning you don't need to get held up by thinking oh i need this i need that if you can run it or your business off a spreadsheet that's fine it's actually good and i think rob when you know that it's time to make the change it should be not because oh, i feel like this is what proper businesses do but because you're feeling the pain of that of that solution that you've got. And you go, oh, I wish it did this. I wish I could do that. And let that drive the decision to make a move.
1: Yeah, we actually did that. So for all our love of software, there was a part of our business which looks after um, property transactions, which was on a spreadsheet probably for far too long. And that is one of the areas that we actually built our bespoke software. And we probably stayed on it too long because there wasn't anything out there to replace it. So we ended up building our own. But we were looking after multi, multi-million pound transactions and had multiple people working from one one spreadsheet. You know, and someone inputting the data wrong at a different point just would could lead to, you know, real headaches. So we we also have used spreadsheets, but that was because there wasn't a solution out there. However, fortunately, for most things that you're going to need in business, there are solutions. And when you are in business, and our businesses have been B2C businesses, business to consumer, you're going to need to contact your clients. And to do that, you're going to need email. Now, you can start with any email tool, really. Gmail is a good starting place. And that can do you for, for quite a long time. Yeah,
0: we use, um, they keep changing the name of it. Um, it's now called Google Workspace. Previously, it was G Suite. Before that, it was something else. They've got too many people on their hands. They've got too much money. They start like to fiddle around with the names of things. But it's basically uh, a package that you get from Google that sorts out your email, calendar, and you get document storage in with that as well. So if you're using Google Docs or, and, or any other kind of files, you can store there as well. And you pay per user. And it's something like four or five pounds per user per month. I can't remember exactly what it is. So if there's only a couple of you, that is really inexpensive and it works. It worked for us for years and because it's an interface, the same kind of interface that you use as a consumer. If you're just using a Gmail account, it tends to be something that people are familiar with and don't get intimidated by. So if you are bringing people into the team, it's quite an easy transition from whatever they've been
1: using before. Yeah, and then you need to stick with Gmail, but then the conversations with consumers, your clients, your customers develops. So you're going to need... A software to send newsletters for example to update everyone on what they're going to do and in the beginning you can probably if you've only got a handful of clients still get away with gmail but at some point you're going to want to upgrade that experience for you and for them and you can look at something like mailchimp which when we started using it rob i think was free it may, might still be now and if you're a startup it's well worth looking at because It makes email broadcasting so much easier. Yeah,
0: and there's a few like that as well. Sendfox is another one that I think is free for, or certainly very, very cheap for for your first couple of thousands. So that will get you a long way. And there are others that have far more complex functionality that will let you do all kinds of crazy stuff, which you'll want when you get to a certain point, if if your business is quite marketing heavy and you want to do clever things like that but just your absolute basic will get you a really long way it's basically one step on from just bccing your your 200 customers which is not a good idea by the way you might do that with your first few but don't do that with hundreds
1: no do not do that and another thing you're going to need is beyond Gmail as well is when multiple clients are coming in, you need to go have to manage those conversations instead of remembering, oh, what did I say to Mr. Jones? I can't remember. Or when did I say I'd call that back? And you're going through your scraps of paper. That's not an ideal system. So alongside MailChimp, you're going to need to get yourself a basic CRM. What would you recommend, Rob, to people starting out that they should look at and use?
0: when you're just starting out, you want to keep it as simple as you possibly can. There are lots of very functionality rich pieces of software out there. There's some very expensive pieces of software out there. and there's a time and a place for that because your, your customers, they, they are your business, right? So you need to, having, having the way that you store that data and can use that data um, available to you is great. But when you're starting out, you don't need that. And there are loads of free or, again, very cheap, simple systems. So uh, I believe you started out using one called Capsule. Back yeah. in the day, but there which you checked is well. still going
1: today, amazingly, yeah. and there is a free option again for just if it's you or one other person and up to I think a couple of hundred um, of, of contacts. So again, if you're starting out, that's a great option.
0: Mm-hmm. And then as you get a bit further on, a transition that we made, which I think is quite typical as well, is we then moved on to HubSpot which is a slightly more in-depth CRM. And if you want to, you can send emails from that as well. So it like it merges the email marketing side of things that you could use MailChimp for with the CRM. So that can be quite useful. It takes a bit more getting to grips with, but it's still geared to smaller businesses. So it's not something probably that you'd want to get out from day one but you could, you can then make the switch. Again, when you start feeling the pain when your other solutions aren't doing it for you, that's quite a decent next step because it's further on, but it's not wildly
1: intimidating. Yeah, you say for small businesses and I think HubSpot, if we didn't have plans to grow further, could probably still be serving us today at 50 people. We've switched, which we're about to talk to well, about what we've switched to, but that's because we've got much bigger plans and we're growing so fast that we're future-proofing what we're doing now. So you're a startup, you've got MailChimp, a basic CRM. You then move to growing to something like HubSpot. There are others out there as well. And then, Rob, you you get your big boy pants on and you do the grown up thing and you move to... Salesforce. Salesforce.
0: So you think it's a, a great idea. You get really sold on all the potential of it. You can't see the pricing on the website. That's always a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> whenever, the, whenever it's it's just like, for this this much, call us. Never good. Never good. And so so you, you do that. You end up speaking to an account manager, which means a salesperson. And then you find out how much it's going to cost you. You pass out, get up again and go, okay, fine. It is worth it for the business. You pay that big invoice and then... You've got Salesforce, which is super powerful, which is brilliant, like the biggest businesses in the world use it. But also it's the kind of thing where like you take it out of the box and you just have absolutely no idea what to do with it. You pay pay, normally, most companies will pay for it, which is expensive. Then they'll pay someone else to set it up for them because it's not the kind of thing you can just do on your own in an afternoon. So having that is really powerful it is not something to start out with but it will take you all the way through however big you want to get this might be a good time rob to acknowledge a really big mistake that we've made when we're doing this because we we mentioned at the start that it's very important when you're switching as you get bigger any decision you make is going to affect other people and you need to take people along and make them realize why you're doing it and we got that really wrong with salesforce
1: we we did and we you know that's a good lesson to share you know we're not passing these lessons on through wise wisdom because we've avoided them we've made those mistakes so we started to roll out different parts of salesforce without getting really the well the buy in and the input from the wider team and i know it sounds really naive when you say that out loud, but we didn't. We had ideas, we started to roll it out, and we just got it for what is a very expensive platform. We got it really, really wrong. And you had to step in, Rob. Um, You took it on as a project. Then we brought in a wonderful team member who works on Salesforce full-time, and will continue to. And I think that gives you an idea of the commitment you have to make to a platform like Salesforce, that if anything, in the future, our team could only possibly get bigger with Salesforce, not go backwards the guy who who works in the team Magic Tony we call him because he can do just incredible things with Salesforce but it was a huge turnaround project because it got put together really wrong at the beginning.
0: Yeah it, it's set us back by over a year really so we spent a year getting back to where we should have been in the first place if we just hadn't rushed it and thought about it a bit more and then even once we got to that point it still took even longer than that and we're still not 100% there now in terms of undoing people's perceptions of the software like when people use it and it doesn't work as well as the last thing to to actually overcome that and go no no look it's it's great now it does this for you it does this and those old things they, they don't need to bother you anymore that takes a really long time so it's so worth taking it slowly bringing people with you and getting it right with any piece of software but especially with something that's as complex as salesforce is and especially for something that is so critical to your business. The CRM is like, that is the engine of your business. So if there's one place to take it slowly and make sure you're getting it right, that is it.
1: It is. So Salesforce, if you're a scale-up, you can consider it, but it's a huge commitment. Don't take it on lightly. You know, Don't just look at the lovely website that they've got and some of the great webinars that they have and just think, oh, I'll be rolling this out in a couple of weeks. It's a massive project. It can make a massive difference, But software like HubSpot and others out there can get you a long, long way. So maybe stick with that as long as you can before making that leap. So that's CRM and email. We've worked remotely. I mean, you've never really worked in the office. In fact, the last couple of years, you have more so than ever. And weirdly, I see you more now since covid uh, because the projects we're working on, we're seeing each other more in person than than it did before because we're just bouncing around everywhere. So we have were well-placed to work in this weird world that we live in at the moment where everyone was remote working. In fact, in less than 24 hours, everybody was working from home. We found it really easy, and that's because all this software that we're talking about was cloud-based. But one of the pieces of software that you you need to have, if you operate that way, and I think every business will need moving forward, no matter what sizes, if you have a small team, medium-sized team, or a large team, you're gonna need a communication platform. And we've talked about Google Workspace already, and if you have that set up, and that's doing your document storage, it's doing your emails, it also offers a chat facility, and if you're a small business or a startup you don't need to then go and spend money on something else in addition because that will get you there. It will. And if you could even if it's but literally like less than five
0: of you you could probably just like have a WhatsApp group between you. Yeah. Like you could you could keep it really really basic. You don't need anything fancy at all. The chat product that's built into the Google platform because it's it's perfectly good enough and because it's free if if you're using everything else anyway then why not? But then if you do feel like the need to make a move, then well, we, we've, we've been using a product called Slack for a long time. Slack is like, you could probably call it like internal WhatsApp, just if you've never used anything like it before, in that it's it's instant messaging to use for communication between the team. So we don't use internal email at all. So it's very... It's very easy to spend a lot of your day doing email and so if you can just like eliminate that and just use that externally that's great so we use slack to talk internally and you end up sort of dividing it into different channels and so you could have a sales channel and a marketing channel and a finance channel as well as a big one for everyone to talk in together and you can do direct messages between individuals and small groups as well so it's a really useful tool tool as your team gets to maybe getting sort of up to 10 and beyond I'd say especially if you're remote which a lot of people are at the moment But if you're planning to keep your business remote having that regular communication is is even more important it is important though Rob to manage that well as well because I said how you can spend a lot of time doing internal email you could also spend a lot of time just on Slack all day chatting away to everyone and not actually getting a lot of work done
1: Yeah, and those costs soon add up. So I think we're going to talk about what we're moving on to in a minute, but I think we were paying roughly $500 a month just on Slack when we were already paying for Google and could have accessed their stuff for free. So if you're using something like Google, which has a chat platform within, you said 10 people, and you you can consider moving over, but I wouldn't say you need to move over. It's more of a, now since Google have introduced the chat um, element to their setup, it's more of a nice to have, it is better than Google, but it's not at the moment that much better that I would say you need to justify a move. But now we're at 50 people and growing, we've been looking at all of our software and going, okay, so we're using some over here for documents, some over here for emails, some over here for communication. And we've made a decision now to bring it all in to one place. And we're quite excited because we're actually going through that move as we speak. So it hasn't actually happened yet. So we might have to do a follow-up to to report on whether it's gone well or not. Um, But we're, we're doing this right. And we're rolling out lots of training and we're making sure we get lots of feedback from the team before we roll it out. But that platform, Rob, is Microsoft Teams.
0: Yeah. So but from, from using Google as the platform for for everything, we're switching to using Microsoft as a platform for everything, which includes email and calendar and document storage and all that, plus the internal messaging that we were previously using Slack for, that you could also use Google Chat for or whatever else. And the reason for that is it seems to be a more mature product and something that is is more integrated so rather than being a whole load of separate tools it brings everything together into one place so we found that because we were split across different platforms and we had lots of people working together in different groups you'd spend half your time saying oh where's that file or oh could you give me access to that and you've so long just trying to figure out where stuff was but because teams it's hard to explain without having visuals but teams is just much more structured and it feels like a more cohesive set of tools. So we haven't done it yet, but it should eliminate some of those frustrations that we've been seeing. Now we have we kind of nearly made one of our old mistakes with this because we got excited about it, really wanted to do it. There was something coming up in the business that we can't talk about yet, but we'll be able to soon. There was, Basically we had two weeks to make this move or we'd have to wait three months. we were so tempted to try and get it done in two weeks. But but then luckily we caught ourselves like, no, been here before, didn't go well. So we decided to, like you said, Rob, make sure that we take it slowly, get all the training done, explain to people what we're doing, what's happening and why. And so hopefully we'll be rewarded for that um, slightly more sensible approach when we do roll it out and it will make a difference.
1: And as a business, if you're at a startup stage or you're moving from startups to, to scale up. You can actually look at Teams now as, as an alternative to the Google Workspace or Workplace, wherever they call it. It'll be a different name next week. It'll do all the same things. It's a bit more corporate looking, but actually it does all the same things as Google and a bit more, but the cost isn't that much different. It's very, very similar once you consider everything it does, You know because you can stop using other pieces of software as well. So it's it's definitely worth considering possibly a lot earlier than than we have teams has really developed over the last few months which has allowed us to make that move now and we think it actually is warrants the upgrade but you may consider doing this at an earlier stage and one of the great things that teams does is it also has project planning in there there are there are tools within microsoft that you can do to run projects and we're not initially moving our project software over and the projects is for the operations part of your business so we in the very beginning used a platform called Trello and Trello is another tool that you can use for free or you can upgrade for a very little cost but most people can get away with using it for nothing and it's it's a great tool Rob it it's served us well for years and we actually still use it outside of the business for the stuff we discussed today Mm.
0: And it's actually still in use in part of the business. Like we, we can't, we've tried to prize it away from them, but they won't have it. <laughs> They're sticking with Trello because cause it works because it's simple and it's really easy to use. And so there, there, there are points where there are things that, sophisticated things that you can't do with it but you can get a very long way using Trello and because it is so simple it means people will actually use it it's actually enjoyable to use which is half the battle if you've got something wildly complex that can do clever stuff it's pointless if no one will actually use it and they just start writing everything down on a bit of paper because they don't know how to use the software so Trello is really simple but you can do some quite quite complicated things with it if you want to so we could still be using that now but we switched most of the business over to something called Monday which is pretty similar but again just a bit more powerful that's a switch that you can make or it's worth checking out the Microsoft projects because if you are using the Microsoft platform it's included it's free anyway and why not?
1: Yeah, we're using Monday at the moment and we have multiple projects and some really complex projects in there. But we are looking at Microsoft seriously to see if we can move over. So if you are a scale-up, you might look at something like Monday or Asana, something like that. Um, but Trello will get you a long way, as you've said. So the final piece of the comms journey in software is the the incoming messages from your Your clients. So it could be requests for support. It could be uh, complaints. It can be all sorts, but basically incoming communications from your clients. And we've talked about email already. So you can use uh, Gmail or you can use Outlook if you're using Microsoft Teams. And that will get you a long, long way as a startup. You don't need to look outside of that for for a reasonable amount of time. No,
0: and it depends on the nature of your business as well. Because say that you are a b2b firm maybe you're only working with a small number of clients you might have projects on the go for three or four different clients and you could just manage those in your email inbox because it's quite easy to keep track of everything with with us we are b2c which means we might be dealing with hundreds or thousands of individual customers and then we got to the point quite quickly on our end where we had multiple people handling those and so if you're trying to get everyone doing things in one inbox it gets very messy so you can do it up to a point you're not going to need to make a switch quickly but we did make a switch fairly early on to something called help scout So you might have heard of Zendesk, which is another one. And there's a few others as well. It's all just kind of basically ticketing software. So rather than just doing everything in an email inbox, it's a piece of software customers send an email it comes into this piece of software and then you can allocate it among different team members Um, you can do that based on rules or you can just do it manually it means that everyone can see what everyone else is working on so if somebody goes on holiday you don't end up with their inbox piling up with stuff and no one knows it's there and it also means that you get to retain the history really easily so you can see what's happened with a particular customer. And we moved to Help Scout a long, long time ago. And this is the one thing that I think we've not been seriously tempted to change because it just works pretty well. It, it does get pricey, again, as is a theme with this software. With so much of this software, you pay per user. So it might, you might go, oh, it's only $20 a month. But then when you get to $20 times... 30 people who need to be in this software, it gets really expensive. So it does need to actually be giving
1: you a serious amount of value compared to what you would be getting with email. Yeah. And we've looked like we have looked at alternatives and we nearly made the switch as well um, to a a platform that was pretty much free, but it didn't do everything we needed it to do. So that would have been a great move. And of course we'd love to not spend what we're spending because we spend a fortune on software thing is worth saying that all this software that we use today runs into tens of well probably over six figures a year it does actually it's over so. six figures a year we spend on just software
0: i would guess it's our third biggest cost like so you've got payroll first offices second software third
1: yeah but not far behind offices we do spend yeah. a lot on software So we're we're talking from a lot of experience here on what we've used. We've spent the pound notes to test all this stuff out. And then we've talked about sort of the external communication and we use Salesforce to manage that for most of it. And then we've talked about more of the internal stuff and we're moving to Microsoft Teams for that. But we don't want to forget finance because you need to count your money. (laughs) You need to make make sure you're getting paid. So we've always used from memory sage and i don't think we'd recommend that for a startle but we've always used sage and sage is a platform that more established businesses will absolutely use because it's a really powerful platform but it's our only piece of software that isn't fully cloud-based it's sort of semi-cloud-based it's it's not Ideally, they do do a cloud-based version, but it's not very good. And we tried to move on to it, and that that was expensive and a mistake. So we're back on the their sort of most stable, known version of Sage. And there are a few different types. Accountants love it. And if you've got a finance team, which we have, and we've got multiple people who work in that software, they're most at home using it but if you're a startup it's probably not the per- the first piece of software you'd pick up
0: no i think it depends on who's going to be who's going to be doing it so if you've got a if you've got a finance team or even if you've got like a a part-time bookkeeper even and so you're not personally as the business owner going to be doing any of it then sage is fine like you said Finance people love it it kind it, because it's powerful and it kind of it makes sense to them. It doesn't make so much sense to your average non financially minded person and again, like you said it's not cloud based it doesn't work on mobile so if you are kind of doing an on the go kind of thing, it doesn't really work for for something like that there's a piece of software called zero which is very popular x e r o which finance people tend not to like so much because it's does it's, it hides some of the complexity away and they, they want it, but you don't want it. You just want something really simple. So if you want to see, if you want to be able to look at things yourself and like create invoices, mark off the payments that have come in, go through and categorize your bank transactions and then look at some simple reports of how much what does a pnl look like how much money you owed by different suppliers all that kind of thing it does all that and it's really easy so if you're if you are starting out and you're smaller i'd definitely start with that there's also more and more accountants and bookkeepers now who are getting comfortable with zero and So because it's probably other than Sage, the one that's the most supported, it means you can find someone external who you can just give their own login to and then they can, you don't have to start emailing spreadsheets around or giving them access to your bank or anything else. They can just have a login and do things in the software with you. So it works, it works really well. To be honest, wish we could still use Xero because then I'd be able to get more insights for myself, but I'm not smart enough to use Sage, but I just have to rely on the people who are to tell me what's going on.
1: So by now you've probably got about 50 tabs open if you're on your computer. looking at all this different software or if you're on your phone you're making notes or it doesn't really matter however you take your notes and capture ideas make sure you do note these down and save them for a later date if you haven't started a business yet or if you're in business then you've got a bit of research to do this is well worth digging deeper into some of the software that we've recommended today and I think it's important now to draw some of the key lessons from this. Other than just the recommendations, there are key lessons to take away. And it's be prepared to change is one of them. It You are going to change your software as your business grows. You're going to need to accept that. And don't just settle. If you're finding that your software is causing you a bit of pain, it's not doing everything it should do for you because you've scaled, then that's a little nudge to say you need to start looking around at what else is out there. But it's also important not to change for change's sake, which is something we always have to work on. And you must be very disciplined that you're doing it for the right reasons. Maybe draw a pros and cons list of the move and really understand, you know, is there enough pros there to justify this move across? And particularly if you have a team, make sure you make that move well. Don't just roll it out and go, here you go, everybody. Make sure that you get the team's input to the move. Make sure they understand, you know, what's happening as well. Communicate that out, out at all times. And make sure there's training if needed. You know, a lot of these platforms offer really good training, but people might not know to go and look for that section on the website. So make it really accessible for everybody. Is there anything else you'd add to that, Rob?
0: I think go back to what I said right at the start about the people who are a bit scared of technology and the people who love it, and I think we, as people who love it, it's quite easy for for us to. You might think that we're at an advantage, but actually, you've you've heard that you can get, end up sabotaging things a little bit and just changing for the sake of it and doing kind of business procrastination and going, "Oh, what's this?" But so I think if you are someone who is a bit uh, less comfortable with technology. That can actually be a good thing. Don't let that put you off giving things a try. Push yourself a little bit. Don't be scared of of trying things out. Give yourself a bit of a push, but the fact that you are more naturally reticent, you're you're naturally not someone who easily picks this stuff up. That's actually a good thing because it means that you are going to be in a similar position to probably most of your team. So you won't just get frustrated that they won't immediately see the brilliance of this and start using it fluently. So I think that that you don't need to be a sort of particularly tech savvy person to get the benefits of business tech. And I think the final thing to say is now going back, giving a bit of a message to people who are a bit more comfortable with it, is although you might be tempted to change, there's never any such thing as perfect, ever. So you might be tempted to make a switch and yet yeah, it might be a bit better, but you're not going to get to a magical solution that is perfect for any kind of your business. What most people businesses end up happening, we actually haven't done this yet. But a lot of business ended up going going through lots of different things. Going, oh our business is so special and unique. There's nothing that works off the shelf for us. Let's build our own, and that very rarely ends up well, going well either. So definitely listen to the warning signs of things that aren't quite right. Use it to look around, but don't believe that if things aren't perfect, that means that there's something wrong. That is just normal.
1: It is. And what's normal is you turning up every Monday for one of these episodes. Next week, we're a real shift in gears. We've talked about tech this week, and we're moving to something which is going to sound a little bit more fluffy next week, which is values or your own core values as a business. But it's arguably more important to get that right and establish them well and have them in your business than getting the tech right. I think there's a real argument for that. If you don't believe us... Make sure you watch next week or listen next week and follow along on that one because we're going to talk to you about our values. We'll reveal what our values are within the business, but also how you can establish your own, which is really important.
0: Well, that is it. Another episode of Any Other Business done. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your support so early in this podcast.
1: Yes, if you're listening to these, you are the early adopters. You are the hardcore if you're going back and listening to the archives. So thank you so much for your support. And if you really would like to support us, then we'd love an iTunes review or a review anywhere you think is relevant. It really does help the show out and helps us reach as many people as possible. And of course, if you want to go further, you can share it on your socials too. But any sort of support is very welcome. We'll be back with another exciting episode next week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.